Good morning again. Good. So, every week I go to Indianapolis, which is in Indiana. Uh, just helping you out. Uh, to see Beatrice, who's my niece, she's three. I've maybe mentioned her once or twice in my life. Uh, but this past week, there was something different around town. It was weird. There was a lot of new artwork and everything around Lucas Oil, the Colts Stadium. And I guess there's a push to change their name away from the Colts. It's going to be the Possums because they play dead at home and get killed on the road. <laughs> so, you know, we can laugh as Bengals and Titans fans because it hurts. Last week, we started a new series. And this series is one that I'm excited about because it's called Upside Down, and it's about the fact that the world believes that it's the right side up, that the, the way that we are taught to live, to, to be selfish, to look out for ourselves first, to do everything we can to further our own needs, to, to hate people, to have revenge, all of these different things. That's the way it should be. But Jesus said, no, no, no. We are called to live upside down, to be different, to be better, to be light, to be salt, to love our enemies, to help other people, to, to rejoice in our struggles because we see him. And the series is so cool because it allows us to just focus on the fact that he lived this life as an example for us and then gave us the wonderful privilege of living it like him. And so I want to look at someone who, who really did such an amazing job of exemplifying this, and that's Paul. And so I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. Uh, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. So before we get to the, the thorn, which is in my title, and it's just an original title I came up with, never heard it before in my life. A couple of 80s people who get that, that's fine. A couple of young people who are like, hey, that's a classic. Okay. Oldies. But I want to talk, before I get to that, I want to talk about Paul. Because this passage shows so much who he is, who he was. And it talks about him being reluctant to share this amazing vision that he had. And it wasn't for lack of faith. He had amazing faith. And that vision just increased that faith. He grew in that faith, through the faith. And it talks about the third heaven. It's not saying there's three heavens. Uh, in Jewish belief, they, call it, they refer to it as the third heaven because there's the sky, then there's the stars, and then there's heaven. And so he's talking about that. And in the version that was read earlier, you heard that he even talks in third person because he's so aware of what happens sometimes. Because a lot of times when people share, especially then, would share a vision or an experience or, or even a miracle, the story very much became about them and about what they overcome and about what they did and what they learned and all of that. Not even on purpose most of the time. But Paul wanted so badly to have no focus on him, but instead all of it on Jesus, that he waited 14 years between when it happened and when it told. And during that 14 years, I would imagine that over and over again, he thought, is this the time? Is this the time? And he would keep praying to the Lord. And maybe he thought about it a lot. He worried about it a lot. He, he 
did whatever he could to, to, to understand. And yet through that all, he kept teaching and kept helping and kept building disciples and churches and kept doing everything he was called to do. Because his life was to be a focus of who Jesus is, not who Paul is. And as for when it happened, we don't really know. It could have been during the 10 years between when he was in Syria uh, and when he was actually stoned in Lystria. It could have been during his time in Antioch, but that's not the point. The point is that it happened and it, it affected him. And he wanted to share it, but he wanted to wait for the time when he could share it in a way that it didn't point to him. Uh, I can see very clearly this is a video game crowd. So I'm going to go into video games for a little bit, but I promise I'll, I'll explain it. So there are a type of video games called RPGs, which is like long games. So imagine that you're Pac-Man and you actually go through a story and you talk to other characters and stuff. There we go. And so uh, in these games, in any game, you're the main character. Like you control, you have the controller in your hand or the joystick in your hand, however you play. And you control the character. So everything is from your point of view. And there are characters that the computer quote-unquote makes called NPCs, which is non-player. It's just people that exist to further the story for you. And so if you go to them and you buy something, like they'll, they'll give you a quest or they'll sell you something or whatever, and they'll stay there. And then you walk out and they stay there. And if you go back in, they're still standing here. And sometimes you'll have the same conversations. And if you were able to go in without going in, you would see that they just keep standing there waiting for you to come back. I think so often we live our lives as if we are the main characters and everybody else is an NPC. We live our lives in a way that it's all from our point of view and what we do and what we understand and it's about us and then everybody else is just there. But everybody else lives that way too. But here's the thing, none of us are the main character. He is the main character and we exist to show other people that, to understand that everybody is in his world and has a chance to live for him and has a chance to see him. And that's our job. That's our calling. That's our hope. And so Paul, through that 14 years, took the time to take the focus off of himself and point it squarely at Jesus because he understood that he served him, that Paul wasn't the main character, that everybody else didn't just exist when Paul wanted him to exist. They didn't wait in the darkness for Paul to come back. He wanted so badly to focus on Jesus. And it's so amazing. He talks about boasting. And I would imagine that if you took anybody in Christian history after Jesus, you could make the argument that Paul did the most from then to further Christianity. He wrote half the New Testament. He, he did so many amazing things in starting churches and dealing with death every day and yet continuing to serve, training disciples, did all these amazing things. So if anybody could have boasted, he could have. But he knew that none of that happened because of him. And so I want to go to verse 5. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so, because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. 
As I said, he easily could have boasted. But what he says is so cool and so powerful and so amazing. He says, hey, I don't want to have to tell people what I've done. I want them to see who I am, who I serve, just by my life. That's what shows Jesus. That's what shows what I've done. And so I don't want to boast. Instead, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. And that's insane. That is so upside down. That's the series. That is so upside down. Because again, the world, and sometimes the capital C church, not only tells you not to boast about your weaknesses, sometimes they tell you to hide it. To hide it, to pretend that you're stronger, to pretend that you're perfect, to pretend that, that there's nothing, no flaw in your life, so that when you talk to other people, they see this example. But that's not the example. The example comes in what God does in weaknesses, what he does to lift people up who have weaknesses. And if you look through the entire Bible, everyone who is considered a biblical hero had huge flaws and weaknesses. David had some major problems. He committed adultery and essentially murder, and he was arrogant at times. And yet God, through those weaknesses, was evident as David got redemption. Paul himself had been a part of murders. Moses had an anger problem. And it wasn't about those weaknesses. It was about the fact that God still had a purpose for them, still had a place for them, still had a plan for them. Because in our weaknesses, he shows who he truly is. And so he has a plan for all of us. All of those things matter. All of those things show who we are. And so when Paul talks about that, there was probably some murmurs. Paul's not perfect. The word that he uses for thorn is skolops from the Greek. Uh, and, and it's something that is always there. It means something which frustrates and causes trouble in lives of those afflicted. So, like being a Bengals fan. And so, it's more of a tent stake. I slipped that one in. It's more of like a tent stake. I mean, than a, than a thumbtack. It's more of a tent stake. Like, it's a big thing. It's something that's always there. Something that always frustrates. Something that he always feels. And maybe it was physical. Maybe it was mental. Maybe it was emotional. Theologians have talked about it forever. Tried to figure it out. We don't really know. For me personally, and we always kind of bring our own understanding to things like these. I think that it had something to do with anxiety, maybe depression. Just from his life before where he was part of so many bad things things that he carried, things that he never felt quite good enough. And yet he accepted the grace, the forgiveness, and he kept going. But regardless of what it was, that's not important. What it was isn't as important as the fact that he broadcast it to everyone. He didn't try to hide it. He shared it with everyone so that everyone in the crowd was like, whoa, Paul has started all these churches and he literally had an experience with Jesus and he literally was healed from blindness and he's saying that he's not perfect. And whereas we're taught to not do that because, oh man, people know, they were like, wow, that means God has a place for me. And they could see God's strength in Paul's weaknesses and he was able to share it. He admitted his weakness, his struggle to everyone. And as I said, so often we're told to hide it, to keep it away, and even to shun people who do admit theirs, even to shun people to go away from people who admit that they're weak, that they struggle. A couple weeks ago in youth, I had an interesting conversation about Paul. I'd taught about him that week and 
couple of the teens were talking to me. And we were talking about just his past and how he was involved in some murders, which I say lightly, but it was a pretty big deal. And just how he struggles with whatever he struggled with and how he admitted his struggles. And this teen said, wow, he probably wouldn't be allowed to teach in church, would he? Today. And I thought for a second, because at first I'm like, oh, of course. And then I'm like, wait a second, there are probably some churches that wouldn't let him. Because he admitted that he was weak, because he wasn't perfect. That's insane, because look at how much Paul did. And he lived for Jesus completely, and he said, I can do this. And I would imagine the counseling he would get today in some places is, hey, 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 it's okay to struggle, but you got to hide it. You can't struggle publicly. And we're told that with everything, whether it's physical or emotional or whatever we deal with, we're told, hey, keep it to yourself. But God says, no, no. Because if you trumpet that, if you tell people that, they will see me in how I lift you up and I show you who I am and I show other people who I am. We are taught to appear strong, to appear flawless, to hide. But God is there in the weak times. And I have a quote from Max Lucado. He's a Christian author, I'm sure you know. Uh, and he said, I simply think God is greater than our weakness. In fact, I think it is our weaknesses that reveal how great God is. How true is that? That admit, admitting to struggles, admitting to weaknesses, shows God's strength and power and, and everything that he is. I've talked before that I'm terrified of public speaking. And it's a constant conversation with God that I used to hide so much from public speaking that I would take lower grades to avoid it. And I cared about grades, believe me. And all during that, he's like, oh man, just wait a couple years. And so I still feel super nervous before and after. But during, I just give it all to him. Because without him, I'm nothing. Without him, I can't do this. And also in my life, I've struggled with anxiety and depression and they're things that are kind of always are on my mind and I could have a thousand, it's probably hyperbole, I could have 20 people say, hey, you had a good message. And I'm just focused on that one time that I didn't get a laugh or that one time that I messed up a word or that one person who said, eh. And that's hard for me. It's something I struggle with. And in my life, not here, but in my life, places I've been before, I've been told by pastors, by leaders, hey, just shut up. You don't have enough faith. You need to pray until you're healed. Don't tell people that. Hide it. And I'd been told it enough that I felt like there was truly something wrong with me that I had nothing to give. And I remember very clearly when I first came here and we were doing a series and it was about things that people struggle with and I was called to preach for one of them. And I was able, I was allowed to talk about depression. And I was so shocked that I was allowed to be honest like that. And I realized it's not that there's something wrong with me. It's that we have to focus on him. 
And that he can show in my weaknesses, he can show in my strength who he is. He can show how he lifts me up, how he lifts Paul up, how he lifts us up. Because none of us can do it on our own. None of us. And yet he is beyond that. He is above that. He is greater than that. And I got to tell you, holding in your struggles, holding in your weaknesses, holding in your flaws, hiding. It doesn't just hurt us. And it's obvious how it could hurt you. It can make you calloused and, and angry and all these other things. But it hurts other people. Because not only does it make them feel like they have to hide. But also, you start to see a little bit of yourself in them. And sometimes, over time, we start to believe the story we tell everyone else. That we are perfect. That we are without fault. And then we start to get angry at other people that do show flaws. And we start to push them away or be mean or whatever else. And we start to just feel bad about it. And anger comes out because we see ourselves in others. And we're afraid that they will realize that we are not perfect. But it is not about us being perfect. It's about the fact that we serve a God who is. And he is perfect despite our flaws. He is perfect in our flaws. He helps us in our flaws. He lifts us up over everything. And when we admit to that, when we show that, when we are honest in that, he shows how great he is. Because he can work with anyone who gives their life to him. And that's so amazing. It's so miraculous. And Paul talks about that and shares that. And that's what he's talking about with the thorn. And that's what he's talking about. Throughout his life. I want to go to verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardness, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Even though Paul continued on with the thorn and did everything he could to, to lift up Jesus' name and build churches, he still prayed for healing, for deliverance. He still hoped that it would be different. He still hoped he wouldn't feel it. And he did it passionately over and over and over again. And yet he didn't stop and wait. He kept going. And he kept building up other people. He kept building up the church. He kept doing everything he could. But it can be hard to go without healing, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, whatever it is that you struggle with, whatever it is that, that is an ailment. It can be hard to go without healing, especially if you see other people get healed. I remember when I first came to Ohio, uh, I came to Tri-County Nazarene, and one of the things that happened, despite the fact that I found out Ohio can't draw city lines, everything's like on top of each other, you guys got to fix that. But there was a lady named Evelyn McGuire. And when I got there, she was on hospice. And I didn't know her. I'd just moved here. But I was told from the pastor and from other people, like, you know, she's not got much time left. And that was near the end of her stay in hospice. Because shortly after that, she was in church. And actually, just last year, she passed. That is like an 11, 12 year span 
of positive that she was going to die to living for another decade. And she was healed and it was remarkable and she was such a faithful person and she was there every week she could be. And it was awesome. But I've also seen people who don't get healed. I spent time with my great-grandmother and she had a long life, but the last few years were steeped in Alzheimer's. And it was hard to watch. And she was a faithful person. But to see her not get healed, it was hard for myself, the things that I've struggled with. It's hard. And so it can be very hard when we see healing otherwise and we don't feel it. And Paul, though, shows us what to do. He first admits that he has something, that he's struggling with something, that he's dealing with something, that something's hurting him. And then he keeps asking the Lord for prayer and he keeps building his relationship closer and closer and closer to Jesus because that's what he's supposed to do and that's what he does and that's what brings him peace. And he keeps asking, and even while he's asking, he keeps growing, and even while he's growing, he doesn't give up. And he turns to help others, to build up the church, to do everything he can. It is so easy to feel defeated when you're struggling. It is so easy to feel like there's something wrong with you. It's so easy to feel defeated when everything around you seems chaotic. Maybe when people are arguing, maybe when people are hating, maybe when things are tough, it feels like you're defeated and you can get angry and you wonder why there's not healing. You wonder what's going on. But it isn't about faith and it's not about punishment. It's about continuing on in his name through everything and showing who he is, even in the worst of times. Because he went through those times for us to show us the example of how to do it. And then to lift us up as we go. I have another quote. This is from Jared Padalecki, who is someone I've mentioned before. He's someone that I look up to on a show that I watch. But he uh, is married and a celebrity and has enough money. He's not like a huge celebrity like Tom Cruise or something. But he does okay. He's got a family. He's got everything that you'd want. He struggles with depression. And he almost killed himself once. Somebody called him right at the moment and it happened that he didn't. And, and from that moment on, he dedicated his life to always keep fighting, to telling other people, to lifting them up, to pointing out that he struggled because he had hid it until then because he thought that everybody would make fun of him. And so he stood up and he talked about it and this quote goes along with that. There's no shame in having to fight every day. But fighting every day, and presumably if you're still alive to hear these words or read this interview, then you're winning your war. You're here. As long as there is life, there is hope. As long as there is life, there is hope. As long as you are here, he's seen through you and you have hope, you have a chance, you have, you're winning. By trying, by living, by doing what you can for him, you're winning. Always keep fighting. And in our weaknesses, we can be an example to others by admitting what we struggle with, by admitting what our lives have been. We can be an example to others who are doing the same. And if you're afraid that people say, hey, you're too weak, I can't, I can't listen to you anymore. No one, no one would question Paul's dedication to the faith. He wrote over half the New Testament. He started countless churches built countless disciples, did everything he could 
from the moment he was converted to the moment he died. He preached and wrote up until the moment he died. And yet he admitted his weaknesses, his thorns, and he did it all because his strength was God's strength. And he lived for God. And there's a quote in that last passage there that my grace is sufficient for you, that my strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. As I said, every biblical character had flaws. But through grace, they were able to thrive, to show others, to bring others to him. And that grace is given freely. But it cost him. And yet he did it lovingly and sacrificially and for us. And he gives us that grace. And it is grace that we are called to accept but also grace we are called to show to others who struggle, to others who are weak, to others who don't get it. Because we are given this amazing grace. They should make a song about it. We are given this life. And he lifts us up and he gives us that grace. And it's hard sometimes to show grace in the face of fire, in the face of being hurt, in the face of chaos. It's hard when we feel weak to show strength. It's hard when everything around us is crumbling to show grace and mercy and hope. But it's not our life that does this. It's his and he gives us his grace, his love, his hope. And he helps us because as hard as it is, we are called to be upside down in a world that wrongly thinks it's right side up. And we are called to show people the right way, to show people, to proclaim our struggles while helping others, while showing who he is to others. Going to Acts chapter 20, verses 34 through 35. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is from Paul later on in his life. Because he continued to give and he continued to build and he continued to hope and he continued to feel. And again, he talks about being different. And again, he reminds us that it's not about us. It's about him. And it's about showing that to others and it's about helping others see why we're different, how we're different. Giving rather than receiving. I shared this in the first service, so I'll share it here. One of the things that I struggle with is feeling loved. Uh, and now please, this doesn't mean when I'm standing at the back that everybody walks by and say, I love you. That's uncomfortable for both of us. But it's something that I've always struggled with. Even though people have loved me, and I know it, it's just something that I struggle feeling that. And so I've dedicated my life to helping others not feel that way. To loving others beyond what I feel myself. So often we think that because we struggle, everyone else should have to struggle too. But our struggles are there so that we can understand other people. 
And while like Paul, I'm never going to be like, oh, I'm so glad that I struggle with these things. It's so awesome to, to have anxiety and be depressed and not feel loved. It's great. I can tell you that because of him, not only am I standing here, but I've been able to listen and understand and help people who otherwise I wouldn't have. Because I know what it's like. And so whatever it is you struggle with, whatever it is you see as weakness, whatever it is going on in your life, God's strength is there. And you can use that to show other people how you deal with it and how you get through it and to show them grace and hope and love. I have a quote from someone who also struggled. And this is Helen Keller. And as you know, I'm sure you've heard her story. Uh, Early in her life when she was a baby, she lost her sight and her hearing. Uh, I am to the point that I have to use a flashlight in restaurants sometimes to see the menu. So I understand a little bit, but nothing like she does. And so I can't imagine actually not being able to see and actually not being able to hear at the same time. Just I, I, I can't comprehend that. And she struggled and she struggled and she struggled. But as she grew, she had this to say. Believe when you are most unhappy that there is something for you to do in the world. So long as you can sweeten another's pain, life is not in vain. So many people in her position, and she probably went through a time of this, would just want everybody else to be blind and deaf, to feel what she feels. And instead, she took that struggle, she took those problems, she took those issues, and she said, I want to help other people see that there's a way forward. Just like Paul did, just like we try to do, uh, about understanding that when you feel least like giving help, when you feel least like showing grace, when you feel least like showing love, that is when it's the most important to do. My great-grandma used to say, when things are the worst, that's when something great is about to happen. When you feel like things are the worst, that's when it's most important to stand up and say, hey, there's a better way. We can do this together. We can show people together. I am strong because I am weak. And I'm going to say this. How you feel should never impact how you treat other people. If anything, it should make you more open, more understanding of suffering, more understanding of pain, more understanding of struggles. Because in those times of struggle, that's when grace and love and hope and honesty is so important, so vital. And we have all been given that gift. Last week in the other service, I shared something at the end. Uh, I have several Beatrice stories. I also have a couple thousand pictures I'll show you if you ask me, or mention anything that leads to pictures. One of the things that is amazing about her, and I've not been around a lot of three-year-olds, when she's upset, 
even if it's because of me, and I try not to upset her, and I hardly ever say no. In fact, one time at the museum, she asked me for binoculars, and I didn't want to get them, but then she said, but Papa, they're so precious to me, and so I got them. <laughs> but at times, I've had to say no, and she gets upset because she's little, but she runs to me, even though she's upset with me. And she wants so badly to help other people, and she tries so hard. We just made ramen noodles last week, and she's helping, which made the process longer and harder and more about avoiding burning her than actually making the noodles. But she had a good heart, and she loves, and she talks about love and helping other people and all of these things. And I know that the world is just waiting to try to take that away from her her confidence and her innocence and her independence and all of these amazing things that I see in this little girl. But I say this, it shouldn't be Christians who take it. We have to be better. We have to be upside down. We have to love others. We have to show grace. We have to rejoice in our weaknesses, not because of them, but because of him. Because in him, we find our true strength. That's all I got.